Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another edition of the Shuttlesworth Initiative podcast. I'm your host, Jay Christian, along with my co-host, Chris Green, here to bring you episode five, another riveting tale of basketball, pop culture, and everything in between. Chris, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good. It's the Kobe, Kobe, Kobe show. At least we'll start that way. <laughs> yes, sir. Indeed. I was going to start, I was going to yell and scream and be like, woo, 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 you know, get going. I watched uh, the Mike and the Mad Dog 30 for 30 the other day, and I, I guess yeah. that was a big deal in New York. Um, I'd never really heard, of, I've heard of Mike Francesa, and I, you know, have serious sex in my car, and I was like, oh, Mad Dog Sports or whatever. But it never Yeah, I had never put the faces to the names before until that, yeah. Exactly, and I was thinking, like, I grew up uh, Jim Rome for my sports talk radio. That was sort of my guy. Yeah, Yeah, and Dan Patrick, too, was really good. Um, Yeah, after that 30 for 30, I was like, wow, I had no idea these guys were as big as they were, and what, everything basically came from them, even Mike and Mike? I mean, yeah. Right, right. Which, by the way, I'm sorry, I think that's a bit of a stretch. I thought it was like, oh, these guys are the greatest guys. But maybe, maybe that was the case. Like, I remember, and, and it's funny. Well, they, they were, were the first to do it. That's what it right. must be. Yeah. Right. Um, but same way with Stern. Like, I didn't, I didn't really hear about Howard Stern until I got to college and he was on the radio before he, it was right before he went to, to uh, satellite radio. He was still yeah. here in Houston. Um, and then, like, Rush Limbaugh, which was obviously really big in Midland, Texas, when we were right. up. But uh, hadn't really heard of him until, you know, I think he's on the cover of Time with uh, Howard Stern. And I don't know, this is a very wonky thing, like when I was in seventh grade. It's like the voice of America. And it was like Rush Limbaugh and Howard Stern and trying to figure out who was really that voice. But anyways, random digression from what we came here to talk about. Um, Kobe, the Mamba. um, What else? Does he have any other nicknames? Is it just Mamba? Yeah, Vino. Vino, he went with uh, Vino towards yeah. the end of his career, yeah. aging like a fine wine, which just sure. makes me disgusted. Right, he's, he uh, aged like a <laughs> like a Milwaukee's best, but yeah, yeah, because <laughs> the end of the career of Kobe was. Now, for for the listeners out there, I am the number one Kobe Bryant hater of all time. Perfect. I will art, but but it comes from a place of he was compared to Jordan, and I had to defend the throne. Sure. So it almost became towards the end of the career. I started to appreciate his abilities a little more once I found out that essentially that people were going to stop comparing him to Jordan and then it became right. okay. Um, right. So I don't know where this conversation will take us, but there may be some Kobe <laughs> hate in there. And so there's some background for you. I'd say that I'm at least number five on the Kobe hate list. Um, oh, nice. Okay. It's not so. I think there's some notches between you and I. I don't think it's as visceral. But as, you're a Laker fan. I am not really. I'm a Magic. Okay, fan. well, uh, okay. So, so you're more the Magic Johnson, and that's why you were a fan of the Lakers at the time. Yes, I think. Okay. So, so what it was for me, and this is kind of like with the Warriors. I don't mind the Warriors. I don't mind Kobe. Kobe's really good. I'm not stupid. Like Kobe's great. Right. 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 I don't like right. Kobe fans. Oh my God. I don't like, who is it? I mean, who's my man? Uh, Snotty Drippin a couple years ago, yeah, right yeah. Christmas time. A guy drove to, I forget the city in California. Temecula. Temecula. Yeah. Said, Meet me there to fight. Stand outside <laughs> yeah. for Kobe's honor, fighting for Kobe's honor. Defending yeah, that is. Yeah. Uh, so that is the epitome of Kobe stand right there. It's like, I will meet you. We will fight. You will, you will acknowledge that Kobe is, and, and we're both, I mean, I, I think we're both numbers guys. We can appreciate this. And this is why I think we both 
gravitate towards LeBron more so than Kobe, you know, all this sort of, you know, mama mentality clutch. When you look at the numbers, Kobe's actually not that clutch. Like, yeah, he's, he's actually one of the most overrated clutch players by the numbers. I think people see the random buzzer beater over the Kings in the regular <laughs> season or something. Right. Yeah, everyone, yeah. They, I, I cannot tell you how many times I've had nauseam seen the jumper over it's either Rajah <laughs> Bell or Sean Marion in the one playoff game. That's his only buzzer beater in his right. entire playoff career. But that's sure. the one we get shoved down our throats. And I'm pretty sure they lost that series. So they ne- I was going to say, they never showed that one against the Jazz like his rookie year. We airballed like three times. In all three of them. Yeah, right. I was going to say, all three game-winner attempts. <laughs> right. And it's bald Kobe. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, man. That was good times. Kobe, that. And then there's good the – Good times. I did the- have a question for you. I wondered if, if you're starting a franchise, is there really any debate between LeBron and Kobe? If you're having to pick, you got the number one pick. You're going to get not necessarily their career arc, but you're just going to get them in their primes to start your team. Are you? Is there any chance that you go with Kobe, or is it pretty secure you go with LeBron? I don't think – so I'd say LeBron, and I'd say, you know, maybe excluding the big man category, and just you – know, so maybe we have a non-big man division, but I can't I, – I mean, yeah. I can't hear an argument of – you know, based on the premise that you you set up this this uh, question, being anybody but LeBron James first, maybe Magic Johnson. If we're going non big man division, I mean, even yeah. Jordan, see, I would have a hard time picking Jordan over LeBron to start your team. Oh, I agree, hundred percent. And I mean, and I think we acknowledge this. And I think most people do. You know, Jordan is just Jordan, right? You can't quantify it. I always say it's you know it's religion, it's not science, right? You can't right, really right. explain it, but. In a lot of objective measures, LeBron is pretty damn good, if not better, uh, compared to Mike. But yeah, skill set wise, I don't think there's any debate. the The right. only debate for Jordan over LeBron at this point is just accomplishments within the league, sure. which is so specialized to what team you're on, what teammates you have, what era you're playing in, what division you're playing in, conference, etc. Uh, which all the players have no control over, uh, no matter what team LeBron tries to put together, etc. Um, everyone tries to bring up the six rings and no losses for Jordan, but skill-wise, I don't think that there has ever been an equal to LeBron in the history of the NBA. Um, well, but, be- the- but because of that, I think that Kobe has now become an underrated player uh, because uh, while you do have the Kobe stands out there, um, it's just sort of a uh, through the media and ESPN, et cetera, everyone just assumes LeBron is better than Kobe now, and it kind of has diminished what Kobe is. Uh, even to the point where I say that he's a little bit of an underrated figure now. Where does Kobe rank in all-time Lakers? Um, well, he's not. So he's not number one. I, I put Mag- I put I put Kareem and Magic uh, as all-time Laker. It's got to be Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, Kareem was there for the second half of the season, but still won an MVP and a couple rings. I would probably put Kareem second. Um, maybe, maybe Kobe's third. Okay. I could, I could maybe put Kobe third and it, but it's because he stayed his whole career with them. So I'm having to play heavily into that because in the all time rankings, I have Kareem ahead of magic, but as far as just Lakers, it's gotta be magic. Then Kareem, yeah. then maybe Kobe. Right. Uh, I don't have Shaq anywhere on that list. I don't have really? Wilt necessarily on that list. And it's just more for longevity. Yeah. I mean, right. he, 
I guess Shaq was really in LA for what seven? Was it like seven years? Something like he that. He was in seven, Orlando right? for four. Right. Um, you got the LA in like '96, right? Yeah, and I want to say maybe everyone really remembers the the Laker Shaq. What Shaq did though in LA is by far the most dominant we've seen any player do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't put him. It may make him number five on my list. Um, he's have to tossle between maybe Wilt because Wilt didn't start in LA either. He was Philly. Right. So right. Um, one, two, three has got to be Magic Cream Kobe, unless you've got a better argument and I haven't and I've forgotten a player. Uh, I mean, I think there is discussion perhaps about Jerry West and Elgin Baylor. Uh, but as all-time Lakers, I think I probably put Kobe second to Magic. I actually put him ahead of Kareem. Although um, there's a story idea that I've, I've yet to write, but I've always made this argument to anybody who listen, which is mainly my wife and kids. Uh, <laughs> Kareem, you can make the argument, is the best player on three different levels of basketball. You right. may argue he's the best high school ba- player ever. You make the argument he's the best college player ever. You can make the argument he's the best pro ever. And that, right. you can only say it about Kareem. I know there's some right. guys that didn't go to college and you know this, that, and the third. But the premise is that Kareem arguably is the best basketball player in any sort of objective measure on any level he's ever been on. And you right. can only say that about him. So uh, that being said, uh, what did you think of the ceremony last night? Unless, and maybe this is some Kobe hate, but if you can't get Mariah Carey, to come out in your Wizards jersey and sing at the halftime of the All-Star game, then it's no ceremony. All right. Number two, I have always thought that Magic Johnson is – he's a little too eager to give the most props to the next generation and then the generations after that. Like he he almost tones down his ability in every interview and every anything. And he does have his spots where, yeah, he remembers some big games and what he was able to do. But – Man, he is so forthcoming when it comes to just touting another Laker over himself. Um, and maybe that's just good for business. I mean, if sure. he took the Jordan approach and was like, no, <laughs> we're drafting you and it's one-on-one the first day you're in camp. Sure. Uh, maybe that's not the best way to do it. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it just seemed like a coronation of a – I don't know. I couldn't watch it without the Kobe hate. <laughs> Even though for the last two or three years, I've been more, yeah, no, you know, Kobe, yeah, he's, of course he deserves that contract. Uh, it sure. tripled the Lakers, but yeah, I get it. You need the money at the turnstables to get people in. You, I get it, but I don't know. It was hard for me to watch without the Kobe hate. Yeah, I thought, it's I, funny your point about my, Magic and his sort of uh, effuse praise that he gives yeah, you know, the next generation in general. Because one, I don't think he believes that. I think Michael or Michael, when Magic was playing and in his prime, I think he, you know, he thinks to this day. If you get him in a quiet moment when he's not, like you say, trying to recruit free agents, you right. know, he says, "When I was putting my thing down, you know, there are very few, if any, that could compete with me when I was doing it." Right. Which is why he's Magic Johnson, right? Um, right. But yeah, I think it's. I always wonder when the when the old school guys are a little too. Now it goes other ways, right? Because then Oscar Robertson's like, "Oh, I knew a guy, you know, Johnny Williams from 1956." Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to Steph Curry. It's like stop. Oscar is the worst when it comes to it. It goes. You got Oscar, <laughs> then to Jordan, then to Magic, and those right. are the three right. three Two levels. levels. Yeah, yeah those are the three levels three. of it. Yeah, Oscar is not giving these guys squat. He's no, like, Oscar. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, 
that we talked about last week. There's a guy, you know, there's I used to cat say when I was growing up, oh, there's a dude in jail right now that's better than Jordan. <laughs> Probably. I'm not saying it's not true, but maybe yeah. so. However, yeah. this is what we're having to go off of Oscar. And if I have to see that little baby turnaround jumper you do as the only highlight that you have, apparently, in, in black and white, that is getting murdered in today's game. So uh, do you have, this, being this is the Shuttleworth Initiative pod, we just don't stay off the court, but we go off the court from time to time. Yes. Do you have a favorite Kobe commercial? Um, you know, I liked his more recent one where it showed a little bit of his humor and Kanye was in the crowd. Oh, yeah. We were talking about the, the Kobe I guess system. It was Kobe system. Yeah. Those are pretty funny because it poked fun at just how ludicrous Kobe is and how right. ludicrous Kanye can be. Sure. Um, <laughs> so I like those. I hated the uh, Kobe puppets because at that time, LeBron was getting crushed as the puppet because yeah. yeah. he had no rings. Nothing was happening for him, and, and right. Kobe had three at the time. So I would say favorite is a Kobe system, least favorite of the puppets. Yeah, and I saw they rolled out some new ones. I was like, oh, we're doing the puppets again. All right, I see that's Yeah, happening. I saw that, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I like the general – it's funny because I think Kobe was – you found a template in, in Michael, right? And you, you can look – you can track his first, oh, right. gosh, maybe three, four years in the league that he's doing. I mean, really, honestly, you know, I think until what happened in Colorado happened, you know, Kobe was this template and this thing. And I think he sort of, you know, sort of Star Wars reference – embraced the dark side after that and really yeah. was was true to himself and i think right. people were like man kobe's kind of maniacal but that's who he is and so i think it was more honest when he when he sort of uh showed that uh yeah he was more side. emotional on the court as far as showing visible anger uh you could tell he was into it where jordan always seemed a little more reserved except you, you do have of course those few moments where jordan showed emotion but I think that was the distinct difference where Jordan, I think, was able to hide that from the public a little bit. And it was pre-internet. Uh, Tiger Woods sure. is the initial, yep. oops, the internet can get me athlete. So everybody right. before that, Barclays, Jordans, they could get they could get by with all that. Where Kobe had the Colorado thing, he still had the menacing, maniacal on the court He's going to, you know, cut your throat. I, I hate symbolism like that because th there are moments where he refused to shoot the ball in the second half and went six <laughs> right. for 24 in game seven of the finals. And I don't know. So I, I think that's maybe a slight difference between the two where you say he embraced the dark side. I think that he showed that that emotion uh, more than a Jordan did, and that would be a distinct difference uh, on the court because everything else on the court, they were pretty similar. Yep, I think that's right. Um, yeah. So staying in La La Land and talking about magic and recruiting, last week we had Cavs-Lakers and, you know, pretty much a ho-hum game. Folks were watching, there were people in attendance. Uh, but what got most of the attention, most of the buzz, was something that happened after the game was over, uh, specifically LeBron James having a moment, a careless whisper, if you will, to <laughs> a uh, young Lonzo Ball. Um, there's transcripts that come out. It turned into the Sapruder tape, right? Like yeah, what was said. What happened? And, you know, they asked Lonzo about it and they asked LeBron about it, who is, you know, notoriously tight lipped on that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, and basically, if the reports are to be believed, LeBron just sounded like he gave the young man some advice on how to stay focused and don't go blabbing to the media about what I'm telling you right now. Um, 
He gave him all the love and support verbally that maybe Lonzo has created from LeVar. All right? That's what he did. He gave him the dad that he always wanted. The dad he always The love wanted. and support. Terrific game, son. You know, that's what happened. Keep your head up. Uh, but but so, I will say that as far as – you do have the audio from two or three years ago, maybe two years ago, when Cleveland was playing Chicago. And uh, Dwayne Wade and LeBron had that moment. Um, and LeBron said, you know, it was something to the effect of if we don't win it, we can do big things again, et cetera. So right, right. taking the two right. con- conversations in their context, I-, I think that just seals up that LeBron's not going to L.A., Um, I think he could have told Lonzo something like, you know, keep at it. Uh, We'll see what happens in the off season. It could be as just as cryptic as that. And then people would have said, well, okay, he maybe he left the door open, but I don't think Lonzo did anything in that game that made LeBron super excited. Um, (laughs) Right. (laughs) I I, I don't know. Maybe that's just how I'm choosing to read it, but don't get me wrong though. If LeBron goes to LA, I'm a Laker fan. Like I'm following LeBron. Right. Uh, But, just after the conversation alone and based off of other conversations he's had in the past. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I wouldn't read too much into it. Yeah. Other than I, LeBron's a terrific dad. That's what I would say. <laughs> he's a great father, which yeah. even I think we talked about this before. That is like the sticking point for LeBron, by the way, just on a little sidebar. Like he, uh, you know, when he got into it with Draymond a few years ago, the finals, that was because Draymond called him the B word. Right. LeBron's like, hey, I'm a father. And when a referee gets in LeBron's face, he's like, oh, I'm a father and I have kids. Like, takes the dad thing pretty serious. So maybe yeah, this it is really does. A, you know, like a different strokes kind of situation where he adopts Lonzo and <laughs> yellow and mellow and is the new stepdaddy. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I'd say that, you know, to your point a second ago about Tiger Woods, I think LeBron is the same guy, right? The sort of first social media superstar in the NBA. Right. We know the guy is the king of the subtweet. We know he is super calculating. Um, and one move that he'd had, and I know you remember this as a LeBron fan, he's like, hey, it was, it was the summer of 2014, and Pat Riley's putting the rings back on the table, trying to get LeBron to re-up. He just had to carry the heat you know, to this beatdown from the Spurs in the finals, and no, not, not anyone's sure what he's going to do. And LeBron, I think he's either on TV or he's tweeting, Shabazz Napier, that guy's awesome. Next thing you yeah. know. Miami Heat draft should have been here. <laughs> and LeBron says, deuces. By the way, I'm going back to uh, Northeast Ohio. Uh, so so, he, so I, he knows what he's doing, and he's grown up in this area of, era of social media. Um, but at the same time, I think it is just sort of much ado about nothing. He gives props to a lot of guys all over the league all the time, right? He's like, oh, you know, this guy's doing great. Pay my man, Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, I've never seen other. him be divisive uh, like you would see maybe years past with players especially like the Shaq Dwight scenario or any sort of comparisons. LeBron has been very forthcoming as far as who he likes. And I, I don't know anybody he just dislikes in the league. Yeah, um, and it's Cantor. It's probably not his yeah. favorite, but uh, I was going to say besides Cantor or uh, what was his name on the, uh, when he used to have his battles with the wizards. Oh, Stevenson. Deshaun. Uh, Soldier boy yeah. to LeBron's um, Jay-Z. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think LeBron liked him or, uh, or obviously the battles with the Pacers and blowing my ear guy. <laughs> That's how I refer to him forever. I don't care. He is blowing the ear guy. That's stay ready, baby. No, born ready. Born yeah. ready. Born ready. <laughs> born ready, yeah. Great segue, my man. Uh, last week was also a time of returns. Uh, superstars went back to their former teams. Um, you could sort of also dub last week the 
OKC Thunder sort of revenge tour, I guess. We had uh, yep. Paul George go to Indiana and had those folks mercilessly boo that guy, I thought. Um, oh, they did, yeah. And then uh, Mello got some love in New York. Um, I thought the fans yep. pretty appreciative of, of him returning and what he did for the Knicks while he was in that uniform. Uh, what are your thoughts on those returns, and do you have any favorite returns in general that you want to talk about? Yeah, I think the maybe the most hyped within recent years was the Shaq and Kobe re rematch, I guess, whenever he first sure. went to Miami. Sure. Uh, and then I, I believe they were in L.A. for that matchup. So uh-huh. it was Willie Christmas Shaq. game, I think. Yeah, it was Christmas game. Willie shake his hand and all that sort of stuff. That's what I remember. I, I was also pretty hyped for the LeBron return to Cleveland uh, when he first went to Miami. And uh, that I think he ended up having like 40 points or 38 right. points or something. It was pretty incredible. As far as these go, you do agree that it has to be – a return game in the city that you played, not necessarily a the home game against yeah. your yeah. So it so for it to be an official return game, it needs to be at the home arena yep. of where you used to play. Okay, um, I expected Paul George to get booed only because he was probably too cryptic about whether he wanted to stay or leave. Uh, he never really backed the city to the point where it looked as if. The team was doing him a disservice, a la New York, where Anthony was always like, I don't understand why Phil is acting this way. He never took shots at the team. And so he became sort of a martyr figure for New York. Um, and so I I expected New York to cheer, and I expected Indiana to boo. Um, I don't remember what George shot from the field, but I don't particularly think he had the best game. He did not. Yeah, Um But those are the nerves you kind of expect. Uh, He wanted to kind of go, it seemed like a little head-to-head against, uh, who did he get traded for? Um, Oladipo. Yeah, Oladipo. It seemed like maybe a little head-to-head because everyone's been touting Oladipo's numbers, and obviously he's going to have higher numbers. He's getting traded to where he can be on a team with two of the superstars. Your your attempts and points and everything is going to go down. So not a fair uh, comparison. But, yeah, um, not that impressive really either return, but I think it's more – Late stage career for Mello was the reason why, and maybe right. George hasn't really fit into all the KC is the reason why. If Chris Stapps is playing in that game for New York, uh, different reaction from the New York fans? Well, I think that they do still cheer Mello, but, I mean, Chris Stapps is God to New York right now. Sure. They, everybody yeah. loves him. Alabaster right. Ewing, he is the <laughs> he is the second coming. He's he's there, and it'll be interesting to see if he actually stays in New York. But um, right, I, I think I think honestly, if you ask some New Yorkers, they're happy that Melo left. Uh, their team seems to be in a brighter future, just letting Kristaps be the the main focus. Right, right. Um, so, do you think the Pacers fans were angrier than OKC fans were last year? How could you? I mean, they seem pissed. <laughs> yeah, no, they actually, yeah, they seem more mad than I thought that they probably should have been. But um, sure. um, nothing really tops the OKC with Durant last year, and LeBron got booed every every possession his first time in Cleveland. Right, um, right. He actually first year in Miami got booed everywhere, but uh, that's probably the most contentious I saw was LeBron back to Cleveland. That was, uh, but weird. the Indiana did surprise me. Yeah, that was weird. You touched on something that I remember that year. Like, I get 
the Cavs booing, and I guess if the Raptors cared when the Bosch came around, I got them booing. But right. that was weird that other teams, other cities were booing the Heat in that first year. They, they were villains. It, right. And what's strange to me, we, we talked about, you know, Tiger being the first celebrity caught up in social media. What has LeBron done that really can really draw the ire where you can look back and say, well, oh, that was a really terrible move? Because even the Jim Gray interview, I mean, he raised mm-hmm. $3 million for the Boys and Girls Club of Cleveland doing right. that. So, yeah, it was an hour decision. Everybody tuned in, though. I mean, I, right. now everyone hates capitalism and the ability to draw everyone in and <laughs> earn money and then donate right. money to people in right. need. So LeBron's been so squeaky clean that it was weird to see him in a villain-type role. And it must right. be from the maybe the premature parade where they said not one, not two, right. not three, not four. Well, if you think about it, LeBron was really just saying how many finals he was going to go to in a row <laughs> because he's still he's up to not seven now. Right, right. So I mean that. Uh, but yeah, it was very weird to see that last part the, the venom in other cities for LeBron. <laughs> that that last point there on that pep rally is a stretch, but I always thought that was weird <laughs> that people got upset and would use that. And people that get paid to do this that have way better equipment than we do doing this podcast would get yep. on television and say. Well, LeBron said at this pep rally for ticket holders, season ticket holders, that they were going to win seven in a row, and he didn't do it, so he must right. be a sham. It's like, really? Is that what you're getting paid for? Is that what? Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a critique worth monetary value. Like, what, what is that? I know it's it was mean? ludicrous. It's weird. Well, what My, is he supposed to say? Yeah, we're here, parade, and it's just us three <laughs> on here. We got we're revealing our new jerseys, and he's going to say, you know what? Let's temper it. We're going to go two and four in the finals. Right, right. Like, slow down. And if you would have said, all right, LeBron's going to Miami and they're going to go to the finals four years in a row, there's not a single Miami Heat fan that would have said, oh, well, but how many are we going to win? Right, exactly. Like, they would have been pumped that they would have went to the finals four times and they should have won three of the four. Oh, yeah, I think that's right. I think uh, that first one was the one that definitely got away from them. Um, Oh, yeah. The Spurs were just a buzzsaw that second time they played the Spurs. Oh, right? yeah. That, that <laughs> second time they court. played him, I was like, I don't even think I watched game four and five. It was oh, such no. uneven. Yeah. I, and I remember, Danny Green, of all players, was just murdering the heat. Oh, yeah. I remember, I remember thinking that the Spurs were angry the way that I wish the Seahawks would have been after they lost that Super Bowl to the Patriots. Like, yeah, I yeah. feel like the next day, the, 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 the talk out of the Seahawks locker room was, oh, we're fine. It happened. It's like, dude, you had a chance to win another Super Bowl. You should be pissed. You like just the Spurs, had to hand it off. Yeah, it had to hand it off. Like the Spurs that year, 2014, were on a revenge tour, and they made no bones about it. Like, we want to play right. the Heat. We let one get away. And I thought that was a great driver for him. The Seahawks, I think, comparatively were like, well, it happens. Who knows? No one, no one's to blame for us making that bad play call. We'd well, be and because at that point, you're coming off your second Super Bowl appearance, and you right. think that this is just how it is now. Like, you, sure. you cannot lose at home. Uh, you, you're dominating your division regardless of what Arizona and the Rams are doing. So, yeah, I could see how they felt that way. But it, it was almost like Popovich went to Danny Green and said, I want you to shoot a million threes <laughs> until the season starts because I have never seen that then and since from Danny Green. <laughs> Lord, Lord bless him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the holidays are around the corner. The yep. unofficial start of the NBA season for most non-fans, most novices is Christmas Day. You know, NFL is right. pretty much 
out of the way at this point. We've got the playoffs, you know, set. Um, nothing else going on on the calendar. So Christmas Day has sort of become um, the NBA's day, right? The day where they yep. get the slate of games. We're up to, I think, five games now. I think it used to be like two. Now we're up to five uh, across different broadcast stations uh, yep. and platforms. Um, we got the Sixers in Madison Square Garden. We got Cavs Warriors, the holiday tradition that keeps on giving. Yep. Uh, we got w- Wizards at Celtics. Uh, let's see who else we got. We got Houston OKC, and we end the night uh, in Los Angeles with the Timberwolves in town to play Lonzo Ball and the up and comers. Chris, any of those games get you excited? Any of those you want to see? Uh, most of them, actually. Uh, the one that I'll <laughs> probably go. skip answer, out. Yeah, I'll skip out probably on the Boston Washington one. Um, Washington hasn't played necessarily well lately, and I don't. I want to ignore Boston. Um, they had a great, great win last night after a debacle of a pass and a late game steal layup. Um, but I, I want to ignore them until the playoffs because they, anytime they're playing well, they worry me for Cleveland. Um, I think I'm most excited to see Houston OKC just because Houston continues to just be an absolute juggernaut. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they had their comeback last night in the fourth 15 or 17-0 run and Harden wasn't even in the game. Um, so I'm most excited for that. I'm getting a little tired of Cleveland Golden State, partially yes. because it's just yeah. one-sided. It's like Cleveland has to do so much, and right. it's not as if Dwayne Wade or somebody is going to make the difference this game. It, they they only get a break if Curry's still out, um, right. but Durant can certainly beat Cleveland by himself. So right. probably most excited for Rockets OKC, uh, least for Boston and Washington. Yeah, I think I'm pretty much the same there. Um, I've enjoyed watching the Sixers play. I think they have. Yeah, I do like there. the Sixers though. They're yeah, probably they're fun to watch. Uh, I think they'll really. I think Embiid will enjoy uh, playing in New York, and I don't know what uh, the the unicorn Chris Apps status is for that game. Uh, but if he's on the court, that that'll make it even more fun. Uh, Houston, of course, is the one that I got circled. Uh, I like watching the Lakers play. I think the Lakers are sort of becoming. The Dallas Cowboys or the Christmas games, like you always get the Lakers yeah. in some. Yeah, I could see that. Some form or fashion. Let me let me ask you this: With Chris Stapps missing the mellow return game, right? Let me back up. Does he strike you as like a tough competitor, or does he strike you as maybe all right? We got a big matchup. Yeah, my foot's bothered me. I'll sit out this matchup, like a potential against Embiid. Ah, good question. Um, I think he's up for the moment. I think he definitely enjoys the moments. I think he knows. Okay. So I think he's he and his brother and his his team. I think they're business savvy. And I think part of that business savvy is like, hey, this will be a great Christmas game. I go going up against Embiid, another young talent, and that's why I think they're putting the pressure on the Knicks because I think they know in New York, you know, I can you know I can be a god, right? But right. Uh, you know, the team's got to be good. Like it's not going to work. I think he saw Melo and he was able to. Uh, Chris Haps was able to sort of observe what was going on in Mello's locker while he was, you know, sort of taking all the slings and arrows for the for the right. squad. Uh, I think he knows, you know, my his status can only go so far with a medium right. team. So I think that's why you see his his uh, internal team coming out and saying things already about, hey, us resigning is not a guarantee. We want to make sure that the team is going in the right direction and making yep. moves, uh, which I can appreciate. So yeah, I think he definitely gets the. Um, um, the business side of it, and I think he's a competitor to want to want to see how he goes up against uh, some of the other young talent in the NBA. And I mean, 
I think because it's a twofold battle against Embiid. You will get it on the court, and then you will get it in social media. Afterwards. Oh yeah, right, right. He will let you know. So is it if you are kind of not injured because hurt and injured are two different things, as you know. If right. you're slightly hurt, are you going to be more willing to kind of use that as a crutch in a matchup like that, where arguably this is going to be the most eyes on either guy in a national setting that they've ever had? That's true. No, that's very true. Um, no, I think I think he's up for it, and I mean, I think uh, you got IG models sliding into his uh, DMs. So <laughs> yeah. I oh, think uh, <laughs> a big game against Embiid on Christmas Day. I mean, you know, we might have something wrapped under the tree. Man. But let's both agree that the ability to pick up girls must be slightly easier if you are famous and an athlete. I don't like your game think... doesn't have to be as strong witty wise to get that girl. Um, if you do have the accolades of being well known, that that's my hunch uh, being neither of the, the things. I just described. <laughs> so, so two things. So, well, first let me ask you this. Do you think it's easier to pick up girls if you're rich or famous? Uh, probably if you're famous. Okay. Because so, with fame, usually money's there, but you can be rich without fame. Well, let's say, okay, so hedge fund guy, like these hedge fund guys, there's some that are billionaires, right? Or plenty that are billionaires, right? right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but totally anonymous. Like you walk in here right now and we wouldn't have any idea who they were. Versus right. someone who is maybe, let's say, Instagram or YouTube famous, right? We know them, but, you know, they, they have on their email like, hey, contact me for bookings. Like, right, you know, right. Will Smith doesn't to have me, that to on me, his profile, right? You don't have to contact well, him. Right. Doing fine. So, <laughs> to me, so, it's probably more – okay, so Elon Musk yes. uh, ended up dating uh, Johnny Depp's ex, and I don't remember her name. She played Mara in Justice League. Um, ah. Can't remember her name. But Elon Musk, if he's not famous, is not getting a date. Amber, Amber Heard, that's her name. He's not getting that date with her unless we know who Elon Musk is because – if you just take money and look wise, he's probably not going to be able to get to her. Sure. So that's why to me, it's more the fame aspect because even the people that are asking for bookings have a little bit of money. Maybe, maybe it's Jersey, maybe it's Jersey shore money or (laughs) real world money. It's not Will Smith money. Right. But I feel like the rich guy, I mean, you got some girl on your arm and you're, I mean, at that point, the line between her dating you and you sort of, paying for her company is very blurred at that point, but still yeah. it's like, which, well, okay. So if you're rich and not known and you, you see a girl, the pickup line has to be, I'm rich. Here's my bank receipt that I just checked at the ATM. Right. Oops. I dropped it on the floor. Right. And, and not every girl. And, and, and to your point, maybe, so you're going for a specific clientele, right? Cause if you see some right. girl in that same scenario, that's at, you know, Barnes and Nobles, most women, I would think, you know, or not go like that's not enough if you're otherwise not attractive, but you're really rich. I think the average girl, right? Like you're going for a certain clientele of woman that is right. looking for you. Like the women you see, you know, not to disparage them or anything, but some of the women you see hanging around the All Star Weekend, right? Like there are plenty of oh, women yeah. in this country who know who the NBA All Star Weekend is, and they've been. Yeah, you're going, and, and it's well, you're going to catch a body. You, right, you, you were there for that reason, yeah. for that specific reason. Okay, uh, so. Are you if ever, you are famous, you are probably not unattractive. Uh, is that a fair thing to say? Pretty ugly, famous people. <laughs> All right, maybe I'm thinking. Maybe I'm thinking of like younger generation Instagram and YouTube fame. It seems right. as if everyone's just generally a good-looking person. Maybe it's easier to get a date. It, maybe it still just comes down to looks. 
and everything else is out the window. If you're an ugly billionaire, you've got to go for the <laughs> specific clientele to get a date, and it is all money. If you have less money and you're better looking, you got a wider range. Since That's, we've talked about Tiger Woods on this, and I, you know, yep. waded into these waters, and we're, you know, borderline sexist here. So, but whatever, yep. we've already yep. we've already gotten there. Yeah, there we go. Yep. Uh, need to be product, of, product of our environment. All right. So, was it weird to you? Was there any part of you other than the infidelity? Obviously, let's preface there. Was it a little weird to you to find out that Tiger Woods was not cheating with other models of his wife? His ex-wife is gorgeous. But yeah, like, so I guess Denny, this comes Denny's down waitresses. to <laughs> yeah, I guess like, it comes down to what you can get away with though at that level because let's say uh, he were to cheat with the type of woman we expect Tiger Woods to be with, mm -hmm. there's no way he's getting around his wife's back doing such a high profile with a great looking woman. It's right. going to have to be someone lower on the social scale to where it's hidden easier. But he was he can mad. be at a restaurant or a hotel or whatever the case may be. If yeah. he tries to get another, you know, an Instagram model or something, they're not keeping that quiet. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it's got to be that when it deals with the type of person like Tiger is. But he also had a very similar style of woman that he was cheating with. They all look yes. pretty similar. So <laughs> that, that just may be a thing for him, too. I have no idea. Maybe he, maybe he shot his shot with Elon and hit right. jackpot. Right, and right. It really, what he was able to get is is what he was cheating with. I don't well, know. Well, so that's but the it, point, right? So, and there's a gosh, there's a comedian. Uh, gosh, can't think of his name. Uh, uh, D. Ray Davis. He has this joke from a yep. stand up he did a few years ago, talking about this whole situation. It's kind of what you talked about. That Tiger basically doesn't have any game, right? It's, he's Tiger, and he's a billionaire, and he's the greatest golfer ever. But he's still a nerdy Tiger that went to Stanford, so he doesn't have he doesn't <laughs> have a game, right? He's never had to like talk to a girl, or you know, so. That's where the the disconnect went, right? So in actuality, right. Tiger's game is actually more like at a, a four, and the money and the status made him like an eight or nine. But it's right. like really, this dude's like at a three or four. Like he's right, you know. So he wasn't really punching down. He's actually more in his wheelhouse, probably. Yeah, he was punching straight. Like that's that, that was his wheelhouse. <laughs> he was, it he was felt his class. Yeah, no, and, and not only was it his wheelhouse, but it's the guarantee because he yes. does have that money and stuff. He can say right. whatever he wants. Right. Right. So, now, yeah, I wonder, ha, huh, yeah, this is, uh, I'm curious. but so, and to your point with like Instagram models posting things, right? Like I saw this, uh, story one time with Lisa Ann, she has, you know, like adult star personality, we'll get right. air quotes on there just in case this is, you know, listen to someone's, someone's kids is listening to this pod. Uh, right, right. <laughs> and she has a history with, uh, you know, uh, famous athletes, but she's, very kiss and don't tell sort of person. And I right. saw this interview once where she says, well, I think guys like getting with me, you know, there's physical attraction, but also that I don't go spill the tea, right? There's something about keeping right. these, you know, sort of rendezvous quiet. And I feel like in some ways, I feel like that's what I would be paying for with this lady. If I'm paying for anything like, yeah, you get bottle service and you're hanging out with a superstar, but in exchange, you know, you just keep quiet about this thing and don't go put it on Instagram but who's my man, Julian Edelman? Like girls posting pictures in bed. Oh yeah, while he was asleep. Yeah, like, and I, I was yeah, gonna say the so. the attack that Lisa Ann takes is very different than what like Kareem Stephens takes. Uh, Superhead. Right. Uh, right. She right. wrote a book about everything, so <laughs> you, I think it's still gotta be uh, an agreement between. And I, obviously, I'm not advocating cheating. <laughs> it seems as if it's an agreement between either the high-powered man or high-powered woman and the less likely. Uh, man or woman that they're cheating with. 
I would just like to say for the record, I have a degree from Rice University and I'm doing a pod <laughs> talking about Superhead, among other That's things. That's right. Take I went that, you Booyah! <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> gliding gently from groupies and extramarital affairs to another yes. topic. So, we're in the holiday season. One of the debates that has sprung up over the last couple of years is whether or not certain films are Christmas movies. You know, you have your sort of Blue Bloods, Miracle on 34th Street, It's a Wonderful right. Life, things of that nature. And the debate has been kind of centered around Die Hard, whether or not Die Hard is in fact a Christmas movie. Right. Um, and I've seen that universe sort of extend to Trading Places um, and, and some other modern films. Uh, in honor of that, what I wanted to do to close out the show is talk about certain films that have basketball in them and determine whether or not we think they're basketball movies. So okay. you know, we'll stay away from the Christmas stuff. We'll go straight to the basketball movies. Right. Um, I'll throw you some easy ones, and then we'll you know sort of get into it a little bit. Uh, first up on my list, Teen Wolf, starring Michael J. Fox. Oh, good one. Um, so my thought process is, is the main function of the movie centered around the topic we're discussing? So okay. um, is the entire movie about basketball or is the movie about his transformation? And one of those transformations makes him good at basketball. I would say it's not a basketball movie. Interesting. Uh, sidebar, yeah. I don't understand, besides sort of maybe some subtle um, coded Hollywood racism there, why the wolf is like really good at dancing, becomes really good at basketball. Uh, he, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it turns into a black dude. Yeah, I was going like, to say, this, uh, he's it's like not the wolf. coded at all. It was very clear what was happening. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah, now, if you want to say that a wolf, if you turn into a wolf, it makes you a more athletic thing than a human because sure. wolves are more athletic than humans, fine. But that's not going to make him dribble better. Sure, of course. So, like, yeah, like, so it's ah, absolutely, yes. <laughs> absolutely right. some Hollywood stuff there. So we have to go back, which we'll have to do this on another part another day. This keeps happening with Michael J. Fox, who I love. That's my man. But yeah. uh, also, Back to the Future 2, uh, dystopian Biff 1985. His neighborhood is uh, it's dystopian and it's bad when the black people live in his neighborhood. And it's exactly. like all run down with crime and gentrification. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Was this like Robert Zemeckis' like worst future is that what it and, and, and you like, still have the principal on the porch with the shotgun shooting at the drive-by and who's yep. in the car doing the drive-by so yeah yes that's that's very yeah yep we got to get michael j fox on the pod to answer for these things yeah. uh yeah. nobody was woke in 1985 <laughs> or any period during michael j fox's life so uh nice transition with the wolf not being able to dribble air yep. bud is it a basketball movie i'm gonna say God, it kind of has to be because the entire movie is about that. Every every Air Bud movie is about what sport Bud decides to play. There's well, no like Bud, Bud decides to play is a stretch, but yes, I, I get you. <laughs> that the family decides to force that dog into acting <laughs> and commanding and probably beaten if he doesn't well, get the play right. Uh, um, I, maybe uh, I guess that's a basketball movie. I, Air Bud is a basketball movie. I guess so. Uh, using my criteria, the main focus of it is basketball. The only thing I hate, well, many things I hate about Airbud, but 
there's a scene in there where it's referee and they first put him in the game. Referee has a rule book out, which referees never have a rule book. Uh, they, he says, oh, there's nothing in here that says the dog can't yes. play. It's like, no crap. Yes. That was the no dog. We didn't think we had to put, did we have to, like, was that a thing where we put in the dogs? I mean, yeah, shame, no, we didn't think to put on. The rules. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yes, it doesn't say that. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Like you, you throw this play. ball into the peach basket and that counts as two <laughs> points and also dogs cannot play. I mean, yeah, that, sorry. Not yeah. the original rule book. But I might be with you. Maybe that is a basketball. A bad one, but a basketball movie. So, 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 yeah, Coach Carter, we agree, that's basketball. Yeah, well, I was going to – I didn't want to bring that one up um, because I felt like that was a, a subject for you last time. Coach Carter, yeah, that, that's that, pretty, pretty tense moment for you to trigger it on Coach Carter that I didn't want to – Yeah, yeah, Coach So close Carter, to Christmas. Yeah. Garbage. Yeah, you're sure, exactly yeah. right. No, yeah, I, I didn't want to. Um, <laughs> I don't know whatever is else a borderline Christmas movie. I mean, I'm sorry, a basketball movie that uh, would be basket- debated. Basketball Teen Diaries? Wolf seems like the debate. Oh, Basketball Diaries. <sighs> For those who don't know what Chris is thinking, Basketball Diaries is a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. It's a mm-hmm. semi-autobiographical story about a – I forget the writer's name. Uh, he's a writer, aspiring writer, and uh, – potentially good high school basketball player, but he gets caught up in the New York drug scene. I think cocaine and heroin and it's sort of his journey through that, but he is a basketball player. Um, He's doing a lot of drugs in the movie and maybe. Yeah. See, to me, it's, it's, it's more a function of the, the, his life. And at the time he plays basketball to where the movie's not centered around basketball necessarily. It's more his life transition out what has caused him not to maybe succeed as a basketball player? Maybe that's uh-huh. what I'm going with. Uh, okay, that's sort of a tepid response, but we'll take it. Okay, I got another one for you. <laughs> Forget Paris, Billy Crystal, and my girl Deborah Winger. Oh, another good one. And again, as Chris thinks, Forget Paris is a movie. Billy Crystal is an NBA ref. He meets yep. uh, Deborah Winger, and they have a great time in Paris. They get together, start to come back. They come back to the United States, have trouble with the relationship, and the refrain of the movie is, forget about Paris. That was, you know, back then, let's work on this now. And eventually it all works out, but he's a ref. There's a lot of cameos. and you know, very yeah, See, I, I have the opinion that once you get the professional athlete in the movie, it becomes that sport. So, really? Ah. I, I, I want to say that about this movie, but then instantly my mind went to Like Mike, where you yes. have all those cameos, and right. yet that's not necessarily a basketball movie. It's more Bow Wow being an orphan, <laughs> etc. Wait, so you're giving more love to Basketball Diaries as a basketball movie as opposed to Like Mike? Golly, or yeah, Thunderstruck, see? for that matter, I guess, as well, <laughs> while, we're, um, while we're on it. Yeah, I guess Thunderstruck would be included in the Like Mike juju. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I don't have a solid opinion. How about that? 2017, uh, I'm going to flip-flop. <laughs> okay, forget Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go back and forth on all my criteria, and I'm just going to have an opinion that doesn't make sense half the time. Well, sort of uh, in the vein of some of these that we talked about, Finding Forrester. Yes. So that's really mad now, dog. Yeah. Um, He, see, I don't want to count that as a basketball movie because he wasn't good to me. (laughs) So I think think that has to do with a lot of this is I don't want to count like Mike because Bow Wow is not good at basketball. Um, that's why I don't want to count Finding Forest or, or 
But based on that, I have to come up with a movie that is a basketball movie, and I can't even do that then based off that criteria. Uh, <sighs> what about The Air Up There? Kevin Bacon. <laughs> See, he's so garbage at basketball. <laughs> that movie is carried by the other character. I don't remember his name, but it's carried by him. And then there's some weird scene where Kevin Bacon's like pulling out a heart or something's happening. That cannot be a basketball movie. I'm going to say that. <laughs> That's fair. Joanna Man. Yes, purely a basketball movie. Oh wow! A full-throated yeah. on that one. All right. Yeah, because it was all about him nonstop how to keep playing basketball, regardless. He gets kicked out of the league, and then he still wants to play basketball. Okay, Eddie. Uh, yeah. Got your cameos. See, if it's yeah, it does have the cameos. Yeah, I'm gonna have to say it probably is. All yeah. right, I think okay. so. Oh man. Okay, let's see. Juana man, huh? I'm uh, I feel like because the central theme of that movie is him at all cost still trying to play organized basketball. Okay, he's willing to cross dress and become a woman to just play basketball. (laughs) Uh, You may have the side note with Tommy Davidson going on, but oh, that's the best part of the romance department, yeah, (laughs) but uh, it's still about basketball. Uh, all right, fair enough. Well, let's wrap on another movie that we both uh, had an opportunity to go view. Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Um, this part may contain some spoilers in this discussion, so if you've been listening to this point and haven't caught the movie yet, you can go ahead and turn us off. We'll be here when you come back after you see the movie. Yep. But, uh, Chris, your initial thoughts of The Last Jedi? Well, number one, it was really long. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Two and a half hours. I mean, I, you really get a, a juxtaposition of how long Justice League was at two hours and how short mm-hmm. that felt. And really just an extra 30 minutes really does that for you. Right. Um, I would think overall, uh, I don't think they went into the character development of Snoke very often. Uh, there's some theories out there as to really his origins that may get brought into the next movie. But I was interested in really who he was as a as a villain, I do like how though with uh, with killing Snoke, obviously you you do get the rise and the villainy of Kylo, um, and now you have him as the main villain going against Rey, the main Jedi. Um, although I do think Luke will come back in the, as a Force ghost in the next one. It had some of the most phenomenal moments that I've ever seen, and that's after Snoke dies, Kylo and Rey team up to fight the Red Guards. Mm-hmm. That's a phenomenal scene to me. And then, obviously, at the end, when early in the movie, Luke says, what do you want me to do? Take on the entire Empire with my lightsaber. And he essentially, technically, does that at the very, very end, right. taking on all the uh, walkers and and then Kylo. I thought it was... I didn't see it coming that way. I obviously I thought it was an actual Luke and he just had that strong force powers to be able to to right. do that. But I would say overall I rank it probably first you know, everyone likes Empire Strikes Back, but you go back and watch that movie and it may just have a terrific structure, but God it's old. Yeah. It is right. it is hard to watch some of those early <laughs> Star Wars movies. Right. Um right. I, I'm more of a fan of everyone crushes the original prequels. Um I mm-hmm. like uh Return of the Sith or Revenge of the Sith. Yep. Um, 
So I'm going to put, I would put Last Jedi first. I liked the seventh movie, uh, Force Awakens, probably second, and then I'd probably put Revenge of the Sith third. Interesting. Uh, but, but overall, I had a problem with Leia out in space using the Force <laughs> so, to stay alive. Because that's, so, come on. Uh, it's tough for me. I did. I had this happen with Star Trek as well, um, the latest Star Trek movie, because I know the guy who played Chekhov died tragically yeah. before the film was released. And so I'm thinking, okay, how do they do this? Same thing with Paul Walker from Fast and the Furious. I was thinking that right. with Leia. And it distracted me every time I saw her on screen because, like, oh, crap, she's going to die here. It's got to be it because she's – Yeah, it was distracting. She's dead, so what's going on? So that was distracting me, and that's, you know, that was kind of a minor point into – But did it bring some symbolism for you in the moments when, like, let's say they were escaping and you saw, um, I guess it was uh, Laura Dern's character. uh, Yes. Hodo Uh talked to to Leia. That was a stronger moment knowing that – she's potentially saying goodbye to the actress even. Right. No, very um, powerful. Her scenes were very powerful. Right. Except for her floating in space and using the force to come back. That yeah. That was very, weird. very weird, especially because we've seen no hint at necessarily she's that strong in the force. Right. Uh, through any of the movies. So, and, and also that, that actress, she has passed away. So keeping her alive through this movie, are you just going to start the next one and say, princess Leia has been killed. I mean, right. I don't know how you do that without doing heavy CGI, which uh, people have not liked in some of the earlier, um, I guess it was Rogue One that came out last Christmas where they used a CGI or a young Leia and then a yep. CGI Grand Moff Tarkin for mm-hmm. a lot of it. And people didn't like it that much, even though I, I thought it was pretty crazy. I love, by the way, and I know this is sort of outside of the universe, but I love Rogue One. I thought it was great. Yeah, I mean, it's a good movie. Because I mean, I it's, it's not so heavily movie. forced on on Jedi, lightsabers, etc. Right. If you notice in every single movie, yes, you have the Skywalker saga, but it is it is absolutely behind the scenes that everything gets saved. Right. Whether it be the side missions, the what Finn and uh I forget the other Tran, uh I think that was her name, Tran. Yeah. Um their side mission, like those are the ones that actually save the day while everything gets built up around the Skywalker saga. Did you yeah, want more screen awesome. time with, uh, sorry to cut you off, with uh, Finn and um, uh, Ray? Were you hoping for a little more? I mean, they don't teach you. No, see, I, I thought it was a little weird that it was like Finn was oblivious that the girl liked him. Yeah. Um, you right. could, I mean, everyone could kind of tell that, yeah, right. she, she, number one, admires Finn for being the rebel uh, legend, even though Finn doesn't see him that, that himself that way. Right. Uh, but I thought that was a little weak. Um, obviously, I've been sort of shying away from the Ray Finn because even in Force Awakens, it looked as if Ray didn't have the instant like ability to Finn that Finn did Ray, and I didn't want to see right. Finn get crushed emotionally. Right. And then before they show the actual scene where Finn is like pulling up the blanket on a God, I, th- I hope her name is Tran. I, I can't remember <laughs> um, <laughs> pulling up the blanket on her. Before they show that, they show Poe and Ray sort of have yeah. a smile at each other, and I was like, "Damn it! Look at Poe now. Dirty. Finn's gonna be pissed." Dirty Mackin. Yeah. I and then that. you saw where Ray wasn't that pissed whenever Finn was pulling up the blanket. She just kind of smiled like a friend would smile. So right. She's like, "Whew! Finally, I don't have to." Yeah, I don't have to address now. that. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, so. I. I think I like Force Awakens a little better. Um, I thought. Were I thought you shocked at how Luke acted at the very? It was very jarring to see Luke like dismissive at the beginning. 
so I thought I, I got, I mean, I thought that was a little weird to have her just kind of follow him around sort of, yeah. you know, uh, so, so several things. Yeah. I thought that was a little weird. I got the point. So there were two themes that I really connected with. Like I really enjoyed Luke's sort of talking about, you know, the sort of mythology around the Jedi and the problems it actually causes. And I mean, sort of a larger right. point if you want to extrapolate more into it about maybe sort of organized religion and things it's like, you know, right. we have these sort of these saviors, but this in actuality, this is what happens with these people in power. And I thought right. that was a great, you know, sort of a great moment, a great theme, but I thought it was a little over the top with him sort of being, you know, curmudgeon about it. Um, right. But I also like the theme with Kylo Ren and Ray sort of at the end where, you know, they're there together and he's like, let's, and, I, and clearly his intentions are, you know, pure, if not mostly evil, but I think he's having a, a real moment with Ray where he's saying, you know, look, you're not yeah, a part of this. Yeah, yeah it's like, like, let's get rid of, let's forget the Jedi, let's get the First Order, you know, forget all this stuff, let it all die, and let's just start a new, and now, problem is when you want to start a new, it's like your own version of tyranny, you don't want to really make it better for people, but at that well, moment, remember I thought, that. Well, remember that theme is all the way through Star Wars, where even Anakin is talking to Padme and says, right. I can overthrow the Emperor, we can do our own thing. Right. So that right. theme is still throughout, and so I did... I've been sort of kind of not real clear headed on where Kylo actually what, what he wants to do other than just everyone from his past die. Right. Because he didn't even realize that his mother wasn't dead. Right. They never right. even address that. So yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little iffy on that portion of it. I, I don't really know what his goal is. That in the meeting, and this is probably by design obviously, but I definitely felt like I was back in return of the Jedi at the end there when he, when, um, when she's brought in front of um, uh, what's my man Snoke? Uh, Snoke? Yeah, Snoke. Snoke. I wanted to say Snape, but I keep thinking of Harry Potter. Snoke. <laughs> yeah. When she's brought in front of him, I'm just like, oh, this is like Return of the Jedi. I, yeah, that's I, right. The shields will but, be quite but operational. But you notice how strong Snoke was. My oh God, yes. he, he was. Yeah. I mean, as strong as the stronger than the Emperor ever was. Um, but yeah, that's why I say that one moment with Kylo and Rey teaming up after. Snoke dies is incredible. To, to no, see. that was awesome. Yeah, that was. And great. I didn't realize Adam Driver was that strong either. And his uh, his shirtless moment, I was like, "Well, when did he hit the gym?" Had, get pants shoulder? were mad high in that series, and I was like, "Man, his pants are really high." <laughs> <laughs> they did it on purpose. There's probably no lower abs in that scenario, and that means we just bring it up and we just accentuate the shoulders. He's <laughs> like, "These are all the abs I could get, man. This is all I can <laughs> right. get. I'm working out for a year. I can only yep. get you a four pack." Um, <laughs> I also thought. Um, I like the idea, and I don't know if they're doing this necessarily, but I like the idea of sort of transitioning from, because I, I think Disney and, and the team behind it have, have sort of alluded to the fact of the universe continuing, but not necessarily being a Skywalker saga per se. Right. Uh, and I, and I seem like they, they hinted towards that, that the story sort of transitions from, you know, I, I feel like you've reached the sort of the Luke, the Luke Skywalker arc anyway. And and maybe it's more rebellion, and you have sort of these Rogue One type stories in, entered into the universe, and not as sort of standoffs, but it's something part of this sort of Star Wars universe where it's not necessarily these internal, like you say, Ray and Kylo Ren will obviously do battle. I think going forward, but I think other stories will develop, and other other storylines to develop from that, just being the sort of right. Skywalker style storyline, which I appreciate, which I think is very neat. Well, if you'll notice too, the uh, I guess set probably sixty years prior than where Force Awakens was when you have Episode One: Phantom Menace. 
you've got Qui Gon and Obi Wan, and you just you you rewatch that movie and you think, God, they have no idea that number one, the boy that they're training will have a son that then turns dark. Or I'm sorry, the boy they're training has a son uh, and a daughter, of which the daughter then will have a son who turns dark side and then confronts the son of the boy that you're training, and it's just so far. If you think of the struggle between Jedi and Sith, that the story goes that far out, and now the conclusion of that trilogy will probably be next movie. Yep. And where do you take it from there? How can you create a narrative where that's why I think it's important to watch four, five, and six first to get the feeling of the Skywalkers, and then you go back and watch one, two, three, because then you see how that sets it up. If you went one through seven, you would just see it as a straight narrative of Darth Vader. Right. Versus not necessarily where Luke is uh, his storyline. So I don't know. I, I like the idea, too, that they're going to go in another direction, but I can't. For, I have no idea what they're going to do. Yeah. Like you still have to have central characters. Does that mean you, you take off it with, you know, Poe, Dameron? Do you make him general and he does something? But still, you're still in the same world. It's almost as if you have to do a Rogue One scenario and create all new characters and you're in four systems away right or right. something i mean but then I think do you of keep it, this do you keep the star wars fanship with hat without having any mentions to the skywalkers see that's interesting because i think that and then i heard there was chatter and i i tried to stay off so, social media because i didn't see it on premiere night i saw it yesterday right uh so i was you know trying not to read too many reviews on it or, or any comments so but i heard there's sort of a rumbling from i guess sort of the star wars purists about what they thought of the film and their and their grief uh, griefs or, or beefs with some of the things they didn't like about the film, and I haven't really had a chance to dig into those yet. But I think there's an opportunity to reach a larger audience. I think these are good movies, and I think of it more like, sort of like the, the what's the TV, like Roots, right? Like the saga Roots, right? You start with, you know, Kunta Kinte from right. this generation, and like you say, you go over time, and it, you know, you start with, with Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, and then you end up to where we are, and, and, and you look at it sort of this, legacy that goes on it's not right you know well yeah and for purists you have to really make mistakes to get people that are huge fans to just stop watching the franchise right i mean even if i'm upset with the way batman movies are going let's just say i'm still gonna go see that movie right i'm gonna hate it but i'm still gonna go see that movie (laughs) so you're right Right. there are aspects where you can go take the story and you will you really will get uh maybe more of a I think I'm going to agree with that now. You you will get more of an audience now, and maybe you do lose a few purists, but how long can you honestly take the Skywalker saga with right. everyone that's uh, everyone's dead from it, right. essentially? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to force ghost. Uh, you're not going to bring back <laughs> All the Samuel Skywalker. Jackson, force ghost, and <laughs> Obi-Wan. For, you're not going to have a force ghost movie, but if they did, guess what? I'm going to go watch it. So. Star Wars Force Ghosts. <laughs> yeah, that's what, just what they'll call it, and everyone will pretend that their Force Ghost lightsabers can hit each other, and yeah. That would be perfect. That would be perfect. We'll bring out Hayden Christensen as a Force Ghost, even though he didn't die when he was young, Hayden Christensen, but somehow yeah, it's I mean, this Force Ghost yeah. there. Very weird. Very weird. Uh, that is great. Uh, well, we will end it there for today. Uh, another great podcast. I uh, just want to remind all our listeners to hit that subscribe button, check us out on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, part of the OTG family of uh, podcasts. You can find some great writing, great podcasts on everything under the sun related to the National Basketball Association. 
as always, Chris, my man, thank you for hopping on and uh, doing this pod again. Another great addition. Yes, sir. Appreciate the time. And uh, yeah, pretty good. And uh, to the fans out there, as always, you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us and we appreciate that. Yep. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Later.